welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 37 for Monday, July 9th, 2018, and this week we welcome Matt James, recent graduate of the Oz Rally Pro Elite Co-Driver Academy. Matt's competed with many drivers of the past few years. We'll be discussing his history in rally, what the Elite Co-Driver Academy program was like, and how it's changed approach to co-driving going forward. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. And welcome back to the Open Paddock Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and with me as usual is my co-presenter, who has no beer for tonight's recording because he drank it all when the England soccer team qualified for something called the World Cup Semifinals. Ian Holmes, I bet you're a chipper little fellow tonight. Oh, I, I, I can't be... I can't, it's difficult to explain what this means to me as an Englishman. It's like, you know... Uh, the last time England were in the semi-finals was in a major tournament was back in 1990. I'm old enough to remember when they won the World Cup in 1966, which dates me now. That does. I've given my age away a little bit, haven't I? But now it's really exciting. It's If we win the semi-final on Wednesday, then it's the World Cup final on Sunday. And I'm going to have a heck of a busy weekend lined up because I have a rallycross to go to. Well, Mark Williams Farm up in in uh, northern Minnesota, and it's also the Goodwood Festival of Speed this weekend, so I've got to catch up with the live streaming from that. So I'm going to have soccer and motor racing. It's going to be a busy weekend this coming weekend. Well, it's time to bring on our special guest for this week, and it's someone that uh, I got to meet last year in person for the first time, Matt James. Matt, thank you for coming on the show. First of all, how are you doing this evening? Well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing really well. I'm definitely excited to be on the show. So um, I listen to it a lot, and uh, I'm excited to finally be on here, I guess. Well, we we love having our listeners also on the show. Um, It's been kind of a going thing lately. We've had uh, several listeners come on lately, and, uh, you know, we always love experiencing what you guys uh, get to do. And you got to do a really cool thing with the Elite Co-Driver Academy with Oz Rally Pro. But before we get into that, I want to kind of get into the background of you how did you get bit by the rally bug? Right. Well, I feel like every story is cr- a crazy wild story, but yet, yet again, the sport's crazy and wild. So I can, I can definitely add to that crazy and wild. Um, I, I grew up real close to Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, STPR, and um, I went every year with my dad. Um, I went back when it was a one-day event. They would start at you know, six or seven in the morning and they would rally until, you know, two or three in the morning. It was just a, it was just a one day ordeal. Um, wow. and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and we would make a day of it. We would go out and we would literally spend all day in the woods. And, um, it was just the coolest thing in the world to me being a little kid. I, uh, I didn't realize that it was everywhere else. Um, this was before internet was real big. And I was real, I was real young, you know, five or six. And, um, so I just thought once a year, all these guys come to Wellsboro for a one-time rally. Um, I had no idea of WRC or anything crazy like that. So um, names like Carl Merle and um, Paul Chonier were just, they were huge to me. And I always looked forward to it. So um, I got into it like that. I always, uh, I always went, loved it. And every year, once I got older, I said, Man, I'm going to do this someday. I want to drive. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then um, the opportunity presented itself about, two days prior to STPR, so when you get a co-driver. And um, I was dumb enough to get in, <laughs> um, especially on two days' notice. It was, it was crazy. I didn't know 
much of anything. I could read the Jemba notes, um, but that's really about it. I borrowed equipment last second, got my license, and it was off to the races. I was learning as I was going, and it was uh, it was definitely crazy, but um, it was well worth it. And you know, here we are now. So you've been doing this uh, for a few years now. Um, how many different drivers have you uh, sat next to, approximately? I guess because because you, you've been doing it for a little while. Right. So the first event was um, 2014 of STPR. And um, as of today, I believe I've sat with eight drivers. I tried to count earlier because I figured that question was going to come up. Um, but yeah, I've sat with eight different drivers so far. And I've been really fortunate that um, I've been really lucky with every driver I've sat with. They've all been extremely talented um, and really easy and fun to work with. So I've never really had a bad experience. And that's that's been one you know big plus, especially with sitting with so many different guys. So you say you've sat with like eight eight different guys. As have they all been like one offs, or have you been able to work with people over over several events? Um, a little bit of both. Um, the first guy I sat with, um, it was actually Gary DeMassey and his um, Ranger. And, oh um, wow! Oh, very yeah. jealous there. Yeah, very yeah, jealous. That was, my, that was my first event, and um, props to Gary for even having having me. Um, at such short notice a and you know he put full trust in me so that was fantastic but um i only sat with gary once um not that i didn't want to sit with him again that the stars just haven't lined up um other events i've been sitting with other people and and he hasn't been doing events and this and that so um i only sat with him once um and a couple other drivers um they came and said hey my regular co-driver's out just this event he can't make it or she can't make it so um, can you sit with me for this event? And I would, I would definitely hop in. And um, then there's been other drivers that I've sat with multiple events. Um, this year I've been sitting with Patty Brennan in his Evo, and, um, and that's been fantastic. And um, I've sat with him all season so far. We have, um, we have some plans you know, moving forward. And then um, all last season I sat with um, Summit um, Punjabi from India and his, uh, his gorgeous green and um, orange Evo. He's so such was, a character. We love Summit. He's, yeah, he, he's just so much fun to be around. He's a he's a blast to be around, both in and outside of the car. I have so much fun working with him. So um, that was definitely really nice. Our first event together was um, Ojibwe, I believe, in 2016. And um, we didn't really know each other well at all. We talked on Facebook a bit, but we instantly hit it off. We had a ball out there. And, um, and yeah, so it's been a lot of fun working with him as well. Um, so, yeah, I've sat with... You know, different drivers for a few events, and I've sat with other drivers for just the one event. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, 2016 at Ojibwe. That was the um, – you you were on the podium there, and so was I then. Right. Oh, yeah. I... So, so um, <laughs> we we were in the regional event, and we were – I have my I have my plaques here. We were first overall, I believe, or second overall. Then we were first in class. We were in the SP class. And, um, yeah, we did really well for our first event together. I was really happy with that. Um, and that was my first time in a, uh, a, a turboed car like that. So I, I definitely, uh, that was definitely an eye opener as well. Well, I actually want to talk about this Oz Rally Pro Elite Co-Driver Academy that you got the opportunity to be involved in. You know, we had Alex and Rhiannon on the show last year and, uh, and earlier this year, uh, you know, talking about this thing and, uh, they first kind of, you know, did the idea when they went to New Zealand and uh, did a special um, kind of training there for, that was uh, done by the uh, the New Zealand Rally Motorsports Group. And they thought, you know, gosh, this would be a thing that we think uh, would be of value to uh, maybe co-drivers here in the States. And you're part of that first group 
um, in, in North America to be uh, part of that, and you had to apply to be a part of it. Um, right. So of all these people that applied, um, first of all, how did it feel that you were selected? Um, well, it was, uh, I was, I was really happy and I was kind of surprised. Um, after seeing the, uh, the other names that were selected, I was, I was honored just to be in, you know, the same presence as all the other, those other co-drivers that were selected. Um, it was a fantastic group. And, um, so yeah, I was, I was really honored to be, uh, to be selected, especially with the, the name of co-drivers that, uh, that were selected. Um, and it's really nice because we've all uh, we've all kept in touch. We all talk weekly, you know. So it's been it's been really nice, you know, keeping keep in touch with everybody and um, and working through events together. Um, and it makes it makes everything run a lot smoother. So it's definitely nice. Cool. So um, yeah, I mean, speaking as somebody who's hoping to even get to the uh, the basic training class at uh, at some point in the very near future. Um, what actually goes on in the tra- in the in the training? I suspect yours was a little bit more advanced than the basic class, but uh, so what? But day to day, what kind of like happens for uh, you? Well, well, first of all, we got there, um, and Rhiannon did a lot of baking, which was fantastic. She's an excellent baker, so um, props definitely to Rhiannon. Um, I can't give Alex much of any credit, I don't think, for that one. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, so the food was fantastic. You know, we, they, they treated you like you were family. I mean, you, they, they bring you right into their home and, and, um, it was, it was definitely really, really cool. Um, a lot of it was, um, was like in the, the small details, what really, um, what really makes a co-driver. I feel like every, uh, I was surprised because every question I would have or every concern, um, they would have the perfect answer for it. And, um, and I thought that was really great. Um, it definitely, uh, it definitely made my skills tenfold what they what they used to be, and um, and I see that you know in my progression and, and being in a car and, and the prep and stuff like that. It uh it definitely made me a, a much much better co-driver. But yeah, a lot of it was just was was small detailed stuff that um it's little stuff that you don't think about as a co-driver, and then when you ask the question and they give you the answer, you're like, wow, that's really simple. I have no idea why I never thought about that, but it was just this little simple stuff that that um that i can't thank them enough for so it's been it's been awesome it's made me much faster um as well in the car so did they kind of break it into like a you know here, here's stuff that you could do to prepare before an event and this far before it here's what you're going to be doing probably du- during the event here's you know post-event assessment stuff and then stuff between events that you need to do such as health and fitness and things like that or, or how did they break it up Right. So what they did was um, they pretty much went over um, everything that we were doing or what we should be doing. And then, you know, asking questions, how oh, do you do this? How do you do that? Um, and they weren't giving you a, a right or wrong way to do things. They were giving them their, you know, how, how they do it. So they said, you know, even if you're doing it this way and you think that's a better way, then keep doing it. Obviously, you know, there's really no right or wrong way, but these are the, the, the most simple ways that we found to do it. Um, so they would go over a lot of um, the basic things like, um, like preparation for an event, how, how do you prep, what do you prep for, and then they, go, they would go over how they do it. And um, a lot of things I was doing, um, I was taking the long route, and, then I was, and they just showed me a much easier, much simpler way to do things. And I was like, wow, like that's going to save me a ton of time you know, doing it that way, and it's, it's, it's much either, easier, it's much, uh, it, it, just, it just works way better. And I've seen that going into you know, my next event after that academy is, I uh, I was pre- I was taking more time prepping, 
but I was getting much more done as well. So, so it just, it, it made me, uh, it made me more time manageable, I should say. Yeah, I was. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm scribbling away here myself. You know, trying to get some, trying to get some pointers because always, oh, every time we talk to Alex and Rhiannon on the show, you know, I get pointers and I'm scribbling them, scribbling them down. As long as it's like you, you're getting a, you're, so they're giving you a system to to get your head around and. Uh... Yeah. So my pace notes actually look completely different day two. Um. So we okay. went out day one and um we we went on a stage and. We uh, we did like we did a two pass recce. So what we did was we went through first, and then Alex called the notes to me as to what he thought they were and what he would see, and I would write them down as we went. And then the second pass, I would read the notes back to him, and then we would add a lot of little things um, like cut, don't cut, or we would change stuff if we needed to, put in a slippy if we needed to. And the one the one tip that I don't know why, but I always remember it now, and it changed the way that I write my pace notes is when Alex writes his notes. He, uh, he writes them backwards um, number-wise. So if it's 20 pages worth of pace notes, he starts out with number 20, then 19, 18, 17. That way, if you're on the stage and you need to know how much longer you have, you know exactly I have 14 more pages of notes until the end of the stage. And I thought that was the, the simplest thing in the world, and it makes, it makes so much sense. So you basically know, you're counting it? down the pages instead of right. counting up through pages. Right. Instead of it saying like in Jemba says page one of eight or one of ten. Right. And then it, it counts up. So if your driver says how many more, you know, stages, you don't really have time to look and try to do the quick math, even though exactly. it takes a split second in a rally car split seconds a lot of time. So, um, yeah, I've been I've I've been writing my uh, the numbers backwards. So if it's 20 pages worth of pace notes, I start on 20 and I go down 19, 18, 17. That's so, bloody um, brilliant. That's just so simple. It's and yet, so simple. Duh. Right. Yeah, I have no idea why. I have no idea why everybody else doesn't do it, and I'm sure a lot of people, like other people, do it. But why? Uh, I I couldn't believe it. I was like, I that's the easiest thing in the world, and I never even thought about that. So yeah, I mean, it was just the, it was just the little stuff that made it so much easier. Um, and you know that uh, you can write about a kilometer of uh, pace notes per page. So you know, if you have eight pages left, you have about eight kilometers of of stage left. So. It was just the, the the small detailed stuff that that makes you so much better in the car, and that was that was definitely huge. So I'm this, wow. uh, I mean, it's like yeah, I'm so, yeah, right. Pace notes backwards, counting down <laughs> page. Okay, got that one. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's so contrast before and afterwards. Right. Um, so the academy was this March. It was um, it was actually the the weekend after Sandblast Rally. So that mm-hmm. was kind of bummed because I uh, I wish I could have done it the weekend before Sandblast. But it, it absolutely changed everything that I do in a car and my prep and everything. And I'm way more confident now, especially writing pace notes and um, and delivering them in a car. They uh, they're and they're so much cleaner than how I used to write my pace notes. Um, I took so much out that I didn't need that I didn't need to have in there. And um, different calls and stuff to, to, to give you less syllables to say, um, it just makes it much, much easier in the car. Now that you've, you know, obviously gone through this course and, you know, you've kind of stepped yourself up now to this. I, I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a little while now, but kind of th- their design is to try and get co-drivers to become more professional, right? Um, right, Not right. just to be your, you know, weekend warrior that's out there for you know, three events a year, maybe, or something like that. They really want to see uh, co-drivers in the U.S. to to go to that next level. 
And right, absolutely. I guess, is this a goal for you to uh, become a professional co-driver as a career goal, if you can make it happen? Right, absolutely it is. Um, when I started, I started out, like I said, doing a, you know, a couple events a year, and then when it, it, it progressed, I was like, wow, like, I'm actually not bad at this thing, I, uh, and I, I just I was hooked. I, it's something that I want to do every weekend. It's something that I would love to be a, to, to make it a professional deal. But um, as you guys know, it's so difficult getting to that level. So um, you have to just build your resume and build your events and build the amount of time that you've, uh, that you've been rallying in your experience. And, and that's really the only way that you're going to get to that level because you, you're learning something new every single event. And even for the people that only do one event or two events a year, um, taking their course makes you much much safer and much faster and that's really my goal is be as safe as fast as possible and um they've really made that happen um going to that course so now now that you've now you're recognized as somebody who's completed this the uh, elite co-driver academy do uh are more drivers coming to you and saying that uh are you free for such an event or uh, or, or are you perhaps looking get a get in, get involved with like a regular team have the same drive co-drive for the same guy every event um a little bit of both so i have had some people after that academy um i've had some people you know come, come to me and i'm sure the other guys um and girls have as well and um they said you know we we want to work with somebody that's worked with alex and rhiannon and um you know kind of help us in the car as well um it really really bumped our stock up i should say and um, yeah, it would definitely be nice working with uh, working with one one team um, and making it like a long term deal. But like I said, it's it's so difficult out there, um, especially with the budgets that are some people are rallying with. That you know, if you do have an uh, have an offer or something like that, that could scrap your entire season if you're working with one team. So it's kind of a it's kind of a gamble. So that's kind of the way I see it. Is yeah, I would love to work with with one team, but with the budget that's in the United States, there's there's only a handful of people that can really. Uh, really afford to run an entire season and if they do have an off afford to fix that car for the next event um, especially with events being so close together sometimes like olympus and stpr and across the country so yeah i mean i would say a little bit of both i would love to work with one team and i i have had some people contacting me um as well you know going forward so that's definitely been nice um getting that exposure so the other on the flip side of that um you know obviously people are coming to you which is great but now that you've kind of gone through this course and, you know, kind of figured out kind of the, the standards and the level that, you know, folks like Alex and Rhiannon, um, you know, set themselves at, has it changed kind of your standards who, of who you'd like to sit next to? I mean, nothing against them, but I mean, like Rhiannon has specific safety standards. Like, I will not sit in a car unless it has these features in it because right. this is my career. And if I get hurt, that's the end of my career. Right. And and I have very similar you know, thoughts when it comes to that safety wise, I would really sit with anybody. It just depends on, like I said, the safety features. I, I, it, I would have a difficult time getting in a car without halo seats anymore after seeing some side impacts and stuff like that. And it, it Rhiannon can definitely be a lot more picky than me. Um, but, um, but yeah, I definitely have, have that as well. You know, I, I, I want to make sure that the car is proper and that if we do have an off that I do have a good chance of, of, of walking away from it just because it's a very dangerous sport. It's something that you need to take seriously and safety is safety is number one on my list. So yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So, so you could even really go to a, you could even go to a novice of a beginner and use the experience that you've got from the, from the academy to bring 
to bring a driver along as well, couldn't you? Right, yeah, and I would love to do that. Um, it's sort of most rewarding thing being a co-driving and, and sitting with somebody new and making them fast and making them safe and making them um, you know as efficient as possible on stage and and showing them the proper way to do it. I know a lot of you know amateurs when it comes to the sport, they have their buddy sit with them. They have a difficult time getting through the event because they're both so new that they try to rely on each other and they really can't because they're so inexperienced and it would uh, it would make a beginner's first event so much better and so much more fun and safer if they were to, to have an experienced co-driver, even if it was, you know, paying somebody. I mean, a lot of people don't have that budget, but but if they were to pay pay somebody to, to sit with them for a couple events, it would it would boost them tremendously, I feel like. Um, I know if I were to ever be a driver, I would definitely budget to have a, have a proper co-driver with me because it makes me so much faster and safer. And um, I know I can rely on them and I can I can lean on them when it comes to a lot of the little stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to all this uh, note taking stuff, uh, I know it goes down to the driver, you know, and their preference because you're really just kind of reciting what they want to hear. Right. But right. Uh, for you, two pass recce or modified Jemba? I would love two pass recce. Um, we, Good man. You, you rarely, yeah, you rarely get events that have two pass recce. I, I was reading the sub regs for New England, and they they are offering a two pass recce. Um, the only problem is you may not get a driver that wants to do two pass recce. You may have a driver that needs to get back and work on the car, or whatever. So, yeah, I definitely two pass recce. Writing your own notes—that's the way to go. That makes you um, faster, makes you safer. It, it keeps you on course, and it makes you. Uh, it makes you really work at it. I feel like Jemba's made a lot of people lazy. So nothing against Jemba <laughs> because I, I, I've relied on Jemba forever. But it does. It makes people. It makes it makes drivers lazy. And they get so comfortable with just using the Jemba note. So eventually, if that's to be taken away, there's gonna be a lot of people that are you know up in limbo, and not really knowing how to write their own notes. And it's gonna be perfect for Alex and Rihanna because they can go to them, and they can go to more experienced co-drivers and and help them through that. So yeah, definitely two pass recce is the way to go for me. Well, last year, uh, you know, I got to meet you at New England, um, where you ended up on the podium there with. Uh, with, with Summit, um, pr- quite the all-star group that was up there on, on the podium. It was, it was pretty fun uh, in the uh, production class. This year, you're with Patrick Brennan, with Patty. Uh, is the car, um, it, it's set up limited four-wheel drive. Is it more still production and just because it fits into the limited now since that's gone? Or is that car uh, got a little extra oomph to it? Um, that car is very, very production. Um, it uh, has a good tune in it. Um, and it runs like the race gas and stuff like that, but it is, it's, it's extremely production. Um, and you can definitely tell, and you can see that if you see the car park expose, it's all very stock on the inside and everything as well. It has a lot of, you know, the upgraded safety features and suspension and stuff like that. But, but yeah, when it comes to the, when it comes to the, the guts of the car, it is an SP car. And that just goes to show how, how good of a driver Patty is taking a complete SP car. Um, we finished fourth overall in SPPR. So taking a, a, you know, really in essence, a stock SP car and putting it fourth overall. I mean, it just shows how good of a driver he really is. So, wow. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's exciting. Uh, I'm looking to see that progression, uh, going forward. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of how, uh, Seahorn started out. Right. And right. You know, now he's, you know, uh, got a little more oomph in his car than, uh, than, than the previous car that he had. And, uh, just kind of start to move it up through the ranks. And, man, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more and more of that kind of competition across the country and uh, see Patty up there. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's he's a fantastic driver. So I could only, I couldn't imagine, you know, 
putting him in a proper, you know, limited car or a proper open class car, really what he could do because, um, you know, as of now, he's really pushing the car to its limit. So, um, and it's definitely nice because he's trusting me and my notes and I'm, I'm, I have 100% trust in him. So it does, it makes us so much faster on stage. So it just goes, it really just goes to show how, how good of a driver he is and how, uh, and how well he does listen to everything that's, that's going on in the car. So yeah, it makes him, makes him way fast. But what's that feel like, you know, when you just feel like you're just so in tune, when you're just, you're just hooked up and going through a state. I mean, like you said, you're fourth overall STPR. That's a, one of the fastest rallies with the narrowest roads. I mean, you've got, might as well be fence posts right alongside of the road with trees uh, throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah, what's that sensation like for you in the co-driver's seat now being in these, you know, faster cars than back when you first started? There, I mean, as any co-driver would ever tell you, there's nothing better than being synced up with a driver and having that and having that um, that relationship in the car and being able to trust each other and, and him knowing exactly what I'm calling is, is going to be the corner. It, uh, it was it was it was fantastic. Um, we knew going into the event what we needed to do and where we needed to be. We knew there were there were some cars that we couldn't compete against. You know, if we're to put our cars next to each other, Sam Albert's car is um, on just a completely different level with a full sequential and everything in it. And then um, a lot of the other drivers, like we had Troy Miller and Cameron Steely and um, and all those guys at, at STPR. You know, we knew what we had to do to 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 be to be faster than them. And, um, you know, we also knew that we would have to wait for them to make mistakes and be there to capitalize. And that's, that's really what happened. And that's what got us where, where we needed to be. So we kind of ran our own rally and made sure that we were there to capitalize on any mistakes that were made. And, and that's exactly what happened. I know what you mean. It's preaching to the converted there. I just, when you and your driver are in sync, it is, it is the most fantastic. It is the most fantastic thing in, in, in sport it's like yeah it's like you're some you're some kind of like special two-headed four-armed being that's right. got like, and the communication between the two of you it's almost like you it's you are you it's like what you are one one being you're, you're i'm reading the notes and the driver is responding to them it's a, it's a wonderful 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 feeling right there's there is no better feeling than a co-driver being in the car with your driver and and it's really nice. Um, no, like I know Patty, like he doesn't say much of anything in the car. And, um, so I know, I know everything's, you know, sinking real well, especially after, after a stage, like we did the, uh, the 29 mile stage. And the, the first couple times I sat with Patty, actually, I was like, Hey, is everything okay? Like, you're not saying much. How are the notes? And he's like, no, he's like, everything's perfect. And, and, you know, we, we got more comfortable with each other as the events went on and we, we really got synced up. And at the end, I mean, it's just every stage we just, we go into it, you know, having full trust in each other. And there really is no better feeling than that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, contrast this way back. So you said uh, 2014 was the first time that you sat in in the in the co-driver's seat. You know, so what what do you remember from that first time? And uh, it, you know, so if you if you could go back and chat to that guy from 2014, what would you tell him? <laughs> <laughs> be prepared i uh when i when we got in the, it was it was a mess um not i was a mess i should say we uh i didn't i didn't know rally time i just figured everything just kind of went as it was and um so we're at the start of um of day one and um i didn't have rally time i had no idea what to do i knew how to watch and i had <laughs> i didn't have it synced to rally time at all and then um i was so excited that i was in a rally car um, and I knew how to get to the stages because I'm from the area. And um, 
got lost in transit on this <laughs> stage one. Um, just because I was so I was I was in a rally car for the first time, so it was really mm-hmm. really awesome. And um, we ended up we made it to the stage one on time. Everything was good. And then about a half a mile into the stage, I was lost. Didn't have a rally computer or anything, so I was just shooting from the hip. You know, I, I got back on the stage on the notes about a half a mile later. So I missed about a half a mile to a mile of notes, and then um, that was the last time I got lost. Um, so I was I was spot on the rest of the event, and it taught me a lot because there was no trip meter or anything for me to use. So I was really paying attention to the roads and the signs and when to turn and how to, t- you know, and everything. Um, so I would definitely be way more prepared. And I would tell that guy to uh, don't jump in the car quite yet because you're, you're not ready at all. Um, and that's, and that's, you know, perfect thing for this rally school is a lot of new guys don't see the ins and outs of it. So, you know, and this Alex and Rian and they teach you that and they show you that. So, um, you know, whether you're a beginner or, an absolute expert, you know, working with them is, is, uh, is definitely, definitely something you should do. Yeah. You, you, you're sounding like a lot like I did when I, when I, when I sat in the car for the first time and I do, do, do you still get that buzz when you get in, get in the car? I mean, it's like the, uh, the professionalism of being a, an elite co-driver. Does that change your your outlook on the events your your excitement about the events because i mean i've i've been co co-driving what since 2015 and i still get a huge buzz when i get when i get in the car i mean i i, I can't get I'm, I'm having trouble getting past the fact that i am doing something that i've always wanted to do so right, right. no you i i always get the buzz even every time i show up to an event and i you know i see the rally cars i'm so excited i'm so happy and That's i feel cool. like the day that i lose that buzz is the day i'm not going to co-drive anymore mm-hmm. because it's not it's just it's something that you, you love so you're yeah. absolutely going to do it and if, if you don't have that buzz if you don't get in that car and, and get that rush of adrenaline you shouldn't be doing it Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of how professional anybody is or how amateur anybody is, you definitely, I mean, that's what, that's what motivates you and pushes you to get in the car. So, um, so yeah, I, I get it every stage, um, about 20 seconds to countdown. I usually have to pee and then as soon as we launch, it goes away. So feeling every single time. That's awesome. Yeah. I can, I can understand that kind of giddiness. Yeah. You know, uh, you were talking about when you were kind of, you know, really uh, synced up with a driver, um, but sometimes things go a little bit awry. Can you recall your biggest moment you've had on a car, meaning oh. kind of a scary moment that's a close call, but you made it through? Not really, because every moment I've really had, they've been off. <laughs> oh, so, oops. Um, I mean, there were a couple times I was like, I feel like I'm going a little too hot into this corner, but I just, I just keep my mouth shut because I'm not the driver. And, you know, we usually pull through it. Um, as a co-driver, you, you know, you're in trouble if your driver says something. So he'll be like, Oh no, we're all crap or whatever. And then, you know, like, ah, yeah, we're definitely going to go off here. Um, the, my first kind of scary moment was actually sitting with summit, um, at Ojibwe. I was, I was never in a, you know, a turboed car like that. So I didn't feel that I didn't, I didn't know what that power and stuff was. And I always felt fast in the other cars I was in nothing against those drivers by any means, but they're just, they're not in a all wheel drive turboed car. And I remember the, one of the first corners, I want to say it was a right four or right four minus. Um, we come down into it and I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to, I was thinking to myself, we're definitely going to wreck really hard here. We're flying. And, um, you know, someone just threw the car in the corner and was right out of it. And he wasn't worried at all. And I was like, wow, like this is way different than, you know, any other <laughs> car I've been in. So, 
so yeah that was a that was a big eye opener i should say because i was like wow like i thought i was going fast before i'm yeah. absolutely flying now you know and of course as, as this is a jibway a couple of uh, a couple of uh, a few hundred yards down from that corner there is the steamboat jump i mean what right. was that like for you <laughs> So we wrecked it pretty good, and we knew what line we had to be over it. Um, and really, after we got around that first corner, everything was all the jitters and everything were out of the way. So um, I think I was already over it by the time I realized, okay, like we just went over the jump, everything's good. Um, it just, like I said, it happened. It happened so fast, and by the time you got the first scare out of your way, it was just, it was, you know, put your head down and read the notes and make sure you're uh, you're staying on track because we're going way too fast to, to get off the notes at this point. So we got some kind of uh, more rapid-fire questions that we kind of, get, kind of go through. Uh, little bits like, what's the fastest car you've ever been in? That's a tough one. Um, I, I feel like it's definitely going to be a toss-up between, um, you know, Patty's Evo and Summit's Evo. Yeah. Um, both cars are fast in their own ways. And, um, and both of them, both of them are really fast. You definitely, uh, you definitely feel, you know, when you're launched into the stage in the corner, it's just, they're both incredible, incredible, you know, machines. So, so that would, they would probably be the two fastest that I was in. And from there, is there a car of any car that's least in, in, in North American championships anyways, uh, that you could be in, what would you want to be in? Just think of the car, uh, let alone driver. I, I, I have a really, really soft spot for um, Barry McKenna's um, Fiesta. I, I, I drool over that car every time I see it, and I've seen it many times. But every time I see it, I just, I just want to get in that car so bad. But, but really, any, it's, a, it's a privilege sitting in any car in North America. But, yeah, I, w- I love Barry McKenna's car. And, and the, the, Subaru, the Subaru factory cars are just incredible. It, it's really hard to pick one because you go to an event and you you see a car, and you're like, "Wow! Like that's such a that's such a proper build. That's such a nice car." And I'm really excited to see um, Ken Block's Kazi. So I was going to really, say the Kazi. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that now, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So I don't want to give an answer because that may change in a couple of weeks. So, uh, <laughs> fair, play, yeah. fair play. You can change your mind. Everybody can change their minds. So. Right. Yeah. No. There's there's some really really nice cars in North America, but yeah, mm-hmm. I would say I. I love Barry's Fiesta. That's an they're just incredible. Yeah. It's an incredible car. So I don't know. For me, it's like, of course, I've gotten to ride in the Kazi, which was just, which was amazing, and that was right. I'm jealous about that. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. But Very you know, jealous. I also have a soft spot for some of the even older classics, like Garth Ankeny out here. He's got that old Saab. Uh, right. I'd right. love to go for a ride in that, or um, the proper Escort that's out there. Um, right. You know, I, I would love to be in one of those. So, yeah, <laughs> I, always, I love the classics, always, though. Yeah, me yeah. too. I always, I always really, really love the uh, the Sprongle Brothers Audi Quattro that they would always bring down back in the um, late '90s, early 2000s. I would see them every year, and I just, I love the noise that car made. So I was, that was always my favorite car. So, you know, when we're talking classics, I, I love the Audi Quattro that those guys have. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's an incredible car. So, so I'm guessing that would probably be your favorite favorite rally car of all time, then. Yeah, Quattro. I believe. Yeah, I mean that was that was really my first um, my first experience with rallying is sitting out in the woods, and then next thing you know, the the Sprongle Brothers car flying by you, and you can hear the uh, you can hear the engine and the the chirping and everything. It was just like it was it's incredible. So, so if you could drive, if you could co-drive for anyone in North America right now, if if you're sat at home watching whatever and the phone rings and it's a driver saying my co-driver has 
has fallen and broken his leg and can't do X event, who would you like? Who would you like to to have on the other end of that phone asking you to co-drive for? It's really hard to say anything but David Higgins at this point. Um, he's he's definitely uh, proven that he's one of the best of all time, um, especially in North America and, and in the world. Really, he's he's incredible. He's I feel like you can really put him in any car and um, and he would perform really well and he would be right at the top of the list. So, yeah, I would have to say, David, um, he's he's a he's a great person. I feel like he'd be so much fun to sit with. And, you know, he's he's just a top notch driver. Uh, I can't, can't disagree with that. I, right. I, it'd yeah. Be, it's either it's either him or it'd be Antoine Lestage. Right. You know, as far yeah, as people I, in North uh, America that you'd be able to. Uh, it get and you'd learn from them too, right? Uh, right being in yeah. that right seat because they've just experienced so much over the years and just so talented. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I have a soft spot for Evo, so Antoine definitely is right at the top of that list as well. I just, I, I haven't seen him, you know, in North America. Not let's say North America, but in the states in so long. I just, I, I, I wish know. that he would. I wish that he would get like a fa- a manufacturer sponsor. He definitely deserves it. And um, yeah, I would I would love to sit in, in an Evo with Antoine. That would be that would be right at the top of the list as well. I got to see him drive that WRC Evo for a short time. Right. That it still makes me sick thinking about that. Actually, I oh, all of us, oh, all of us, oh, man. Oh man, that's it's oh, it's it's just it, you can't painful. put words to it. Yeah, especially seeing it. You know, like it was on it was recorded. But yeah, yeah. definitely, uh, definitely bad. <laughs> yeah, but but an amazing car, and it was great to see. I mean, that that was just, yeah, that was an all star year of uh, uh, amazing vehicles, and just we were so excited about it. But wasn't meant yeah, to be, yeah. you know. So be it. But uh, speaking of of rallies like that, though, um, you know, that was out here at Oregon Trail. Is there a rally you haven't been to, um, whether actually North America or around the world, that you have, you want to co drive, be at that rally? Favorite rally? Uh, uh, Finland. Uh, you, of course. Easy. easy. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I love Finland. It's the greatest thing. I, that's, that's my goal. Um, no matter how many more rallies I do, no matter what happens, like if I can ever co-drive um, Finland, I'll be a happy guy forever. And preferably yeah, Finland just, when they run Unapoya, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah, it's just that, that whole rally is just incredible. And the, uh, it just it takes a special driver to go over there and really push the car. So that would, I would definitely like to to be in a car in a proper car to where you can really push and you can really set some fast times on those stages. So, so being on this the Elite Driver Academy, does this 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 obviously pushes your pushes your goals higher and higher up? You know, because I, I I'm I, I'm quite happy. I would be quite happy to going and doing an Irish tarmac rally. You know, I, I'm not, I've no desires to to end up on a um, on a WRC round. As, so, as, would I turn into this kind of co-driver if I went on Alex and Rhiannon's course? Uh, it, it definitely would push you. I feel like because it, it shows you that that there's much more out there a than mm-hmm. than, than North America. And um, you know, like when I first started, I was like, oh, I want to do STPR because that's my home event. I love STPR. And now it's to the point now to where I, I want to do events around the world. You know, I've, I've seen what the U.S. has to offer, and I love it. I think, I really think U.S. has the best, some of the best stages in the world. But I want to see, you know, I want to see Argentina. I want to see Finland. I want to see um, Portugal and Sweden and all, and Monte Carlo and all those just incredible rallies with the history behind it. 
it does. It pushes you to to want to you know travel the world and not just North America and do those events. So yeah, most definitely. So if there was, <coughs> is there a North American rally event though that you'd like to experience that you haven't yet? I've always wanted to go out to Oregon. I've never done Oregon yet. Um, I think a three day event would be a ton of fun, and um, the scenery out there is just incredible. Um, it would be difficult to to keep on the on the pace notes because you just want you want to look around. So I feel like wrecking would be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely want to do Oregon. Yeah. I've I've had plans to do it, and then you know stuff falls through. Mm-hmm. So um, it's definitely it's definitely going to happen eventually. I just I haven't gotten out there quite yet. Come on, so, Patty, yeah, def- you got to make the trip out west. Right, right. You know, yeah, we, no. we have for like the the, the farthest. Uh, we had a thing where like the person that came the farthest got an extra discount to their right. entry. So I mean, come on. <laughs> it would it would definitely be him. He's in the New York City area, so it would it would definitely be Patty. I think they would win that award. Well, um, so we've got uh, coming up um, New England Forest Rally and. Obviously, you're getting ready to do that with Patty. Is there any uh, special stuff that, um, you know, any any special preps or uh, things that you're looking forward to? The prep is, it's it's a lot more than I did last year just because I, I, I went to that academy now compared to last year's New England. Um, but, yeah, I, I started the prep as, as soon as I could, and um, the sup regs just came out a couple weeks ago. So I've, I've been working at that. Um, I like having everything done before uh before i get there that way wednesday when i get there that you know i we can go over some stuff and um we can we can have our talks and everything but i don't have to i don't have to go in my room and sit and and work on a thousand things before recce i can get a good night's sleep and stuff like that the roads up there are gorgeous i love i love all, all the stages up there um but concord pond definitely sticks out over anybody that's ever ran there so um, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to working with Patty again and all those guys and, you know, hopefully having a good finish as well, um, like we did at STPR, um, and keeping the car in good shape and, um, and and just having a good finish. I mean, I, I know that Patty's a you know, uh, East Coast guy and competed quite a bit over there. Has he run New England before? Is he pretty familiar with it already? He he has run New England before. I don't. He didn't run it last year, but I know he's run it before. So so yeah, he's he's definitely has some experience up there. We've obviously never run it together, so that'll be that'll be nice to do. Um, and I've always had good luck at New England. I'm, I'm two for two up there, believe it or not. I've had two good finishes, so I'm really excited. And, and we're gonna definitely try to make it a three for three and and um, have a good run up there. Well, I'm gonna say Concord Pond is just. It is the most fun short stage I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, just doing recce on that thing, and you're just like your eyes are just bulging. Like, are you serious? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that crest, yeah. And as everybody says, and we said it last year when the event was coming up, it's the closest to Finland you'll get probably in the states right. for a why, single stage. And that's why I love Concord Pond, just because I have that that soft spot for Finland. So it makes me. It makes me feel like I'm there when you're coming over those crests and stuff, and 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 you can feel the uh, the car get light. It definitely definitely makes you makes you have that Finland feel, and the, it's it's a really fun stage, especially being able to run it twice now. You can uh, you can definitely push a lot harder the second time once you make any adjustments that you need to at speed, and, and definitely try to knock some seconds off of your first run. Um, you said earlier that um, you thought you were going to be a driver maybe sometime, and right. now you're in the right seat in co-driving. Um, do you still have that thirst to be a driver? Um, I, I think I'll always have it. Um, like I said, I grew up racing, um, like dirt track, go-karts and, um, stuff like that. So I, I grew up with that type of stuff and I was always driving and racing as, 
as much as I could. And then um, it kind of got out of the price range for us to race at a competitive level. Um, my parents both, both worked, you know, full-time jobs and, and they were putting everything towards me racing. And it got to the point to where you'd spend, you know, a thousand dollars every, every weekend going to the track. And yeah, that doesn't sound like a lot when it comes to a rally, but when you're doing it every single weekend, it got expensive and it got to the point where we weren't as competitive as we needed to be because we weren't spending the money. You know, I kind of got out of it and I said, you know, how can I race at a competitive level and not spend any money at all? And co-driving was just right there. And I was like, well, I mean, it's not really ideal for me, but, you know, it keeps me fast. It keeps me in a car and it keeps me, you know, it keeps me active. And then I fell in love with it and I thought, well, this is just, this is perfect. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love, I would love to drive though eventually. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen just because I, I do have so much fun co-driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I really tell you the, the short rides I've had in the silly seat, yeah, um, I've been fun enough, but uh, yeah, doing that uh, for a career, I, I really hope that it turns out. Yeah, it'd be just yeah. the ultimate for sure. Right. Yeah. And I would love to do that. You know, you can't forget what pays the bills at the end of the day. But um, but yeah, I mean, any I feel like anybody that is co-driving would love to would love to make a career. They would love for, you know, SRT or M Sport or anybody just to phone you and say, hey, you know, do you want to make X amount of dollars just doing this? Anybody would say yes. So there's always that glimmer of hope. And that's what I'm doing is trying to build my resume and trying to get as much exposure and experience as possible. Well, you've got pretty good heritage kind of start out there with your brothers at Derek. Yeah. Yeah. Derek. Okay. So your brother being an IndyCar, uh, I, I guess it'd be a race engineer or whatever. Uh, uh, he, yeah, he's a, he's a mechanic. He's not really, he's not necessarily yeah. an engineer, but he's, he's a mechanic and he, he has learned so much. And I could even tell by his work that when he had his Fiesta built, um, it was a proper build um, safety wise. It was very proper. Um, the cage, it's like a, it's a tank. That thing is, um, mm-hmm. but it was, it was kind of sloppy when you looked on the inside of it not you know not safety wise but just there were wires and this and that and then yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't night neat I, and pretty right yeah and i went home um i want to say it was two weekends ago and um he's like oh he's like come check out the car and it was just it was so clean and nice and everything was beautiful in there and i was like yeah you can definitely <laughs> tell you've learned a ton working on those indie cars and he has he loves it so all right well we, before we move into uh, just kind of the kind of rally news we like to talk about uh, as well with these uh, conversations things are just kind of going on in the rally world i did have one other question uh you and i were talking earlier um and you said that when you go to these different events and, and especially if you have a, a good result uh you like to reward yourself a little bit by exploring a little bit of the local fair at uh different events uh, I- explain, uh, what it is you, uh, like to go exploring and do and, uh, some of your favorites. I'm a bit of a foodie. So, um, I, I love as crazy as something. I enjoy cooking shows and stuff like that. So, um, dude, I'm with I, you there. I, I love it. Dude, I, I, I love, food. love, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. as, as my um, shape kind of, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I know I've <laughs> I been, I've been you. trying to stay away from it and that's why I've been trying to reward myself on a Sunday or, or a Monday on the way home, you know, stopping at those places. But I, I've always been really fortunate that when I go to these events, if I am driving and it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit of a distance that, um, I do have, you know, some people that go with me, either my dad goes or I, you know, I have a couple friends that'll go or whatever. And we try to, we try to have a relaxed Sunday drive home and we always try to find a like a, a different place to go. Like if it's a mom and pop place or a cool brewery or something, we can try to map out if it's not too far out of the way. Um, we definitely go and check it out. Um, we're, we're extremely fortunate to get to travel the country and, 
and race. So why not make the best of it? And, and you know, instead of flying, you know, why not drive and, and see the see the country and um, get to go to some of these cool places that you may not get the opportunity to ever go to again. So that's what I've been, you know, working my way into and trying to see different places and stuff. And it's been it's been awesome. You know, I've seen some really cool places, some really some really awesome you know, restaurants or breweries or, or anything like that. So definitely nice. Mm, breweries you had me there right right <laughs> well i was gonna say so so far you know do, do you have of your travels um specifically rally travels favorite beer you've had so far on a rally travel can you remember at least like the pub that it was at or something like that i'm trying to think it's difficult because in the area that i live in there's really there's two really good breweries um within you know 15 20 minutes of me so i mean they're my favorites they, they don't include rally travel there was one I believe it was coming back from um, Southern Ohio. I can't remember what it was called. It was just a small little deal. Um, you walked in and it looked like it was closed. You know, we went in and there was just, you know, one waitress there and um, really, really good food and, and the beer was good. And I got a flight, I think. And I, I, it's a, it's rare for me, but um, I liked all the beer. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 do, I do enjoy beer. Some of the, some of the, uh, the darker stuff I, I'm not a fan of sometimes, but um I was really surprised. I can't remember what the place was called. I'll have to, I'll have to, you know, figure that out, and I'll definitely let you know. But, um, but yeah, I want to say it was coming back from Ohio. Maybe it was near Pittsburgh area. I'm not 100 percent positive, but yeah, it was, uh, it was really good. Definitely, uh, I got to figure it out that way when I go back. I can definitely stop again. Yeah, I'm just gonna backtrack a minute now. Um, uh, I asked this question of Ubea Gadro when we had him on a couple of couple of podcasts ago, and uh, my question is: is like calling pace notes. Uh, what do you prefer, day or night? Um, that's a really good question. I every just time I I've, I've been in a car at night, I've had issues. Um, uh-huh. When it came to the uh, the last event was Ohio, and the um, the map light stopped working. So, um, I, I prefer it at night just because you, you are like, like you guys spoke about in the previous podcast, you, you can be more focused on the notes. Um, but like I said, I've always had bad luck. I, I was lucky enough that I, one thing I did learn at the Academy was always have a backup plan for your backup plan. I, uh, I had headlamps right next mm-hmm. to me. So as soon as it went out, I just threw a headlamp. I stretched it around my helmet and I turned it on and I was okay, but it was still that split second of, I can't see anything or the notes and i was you know fumbling around in my bag trying to find a headlamp so yeah i've always had bad luck with it but i do prefer it at night because you can you can focus more yeah. on, the, on the notes mm-hmm. itself and you don't see as much you know with trees going by or whatever so you don't you don't have any distractions so yeah i definitely agree with you guys on the night yeah that's awesome i mean i i love watching night stages um they're total crap to try and photograph but they're right unless you've got some great you know lenses with and, and doing you know timed uh you know uh, shots there that you can get kind of the blur in there and whatnot but yeah it, it's definitely a unique experience I, I definitely love night stages and wish we had more of them for sure um we, we had one that went kind of into the twilight a little bit here at oregon trail um on uh, the end of the first long day but we, of course we have our night stage set up pir but that that's fun and fan friendly right there for sure there's a ton of people that come out for that so that's always a good big spectator thing but uh not like being out in the forest though that's that's something special to be out in the forest at night and uh, there just aren't many of those anymore and i think we need more of them yeah we have some pretty brutal night stages at ojibwe uh, ojibwe was the first time i did 
proper full-on night stages and uh yeah i was i after 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 ojibwe in uh 2016 i i pretty soon found whether my doctor would prescribe me scopolamine or not <laughs> i i think ojibwe was actually my first night stages as well um and yeah i i definitely enjoy them and and like that's what really made me fall in love with the sport is you know trekking out into the woods then you can hear you can um, you can hear the car coming in the lights, and then you see the rotors just red hot mm-hmm. flying. It's just it's it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. Well, um, we're gonna move on to just talk about some of the rally subjects that came up in the last week since we were last talking on the show. Uh, so, if you'd like to hang around and comment a little bit, you obviously follow rally around the world now. Uh, you become not just a rally co-driver; you're quite the rally fan, as we've uh, discussed a few times. Not really rally related, but. Yeah, actually, we just had last night Travis Pastrana do his crazy three jumps um, ahead of New England uh, that he did in Las Vegas there. Um, I just kind of wanted to know your guys' opinion on, do you think uh, stunts like that from someone like a Pastrana, do you think it'll help draw people into seeing Travis come to a stage rally? Or do you think it's just a sideshow thing and people just forget about anything but that those jumps that he did? Yeah, what what it's going to do is draw people into his 2019 residency at Bally's that's just been announced a few hours ago. So, I mean, I don't see it as uh, anybody will probably go to watch Travis at a stage rally because of what he did here in with the copying the Evil Knievel jumps. But, I mean, there's no doubt watching that that like, Travis is the consummate motorcyclist he's he knows how to control those bikes watching those watching him jump those bikes you could see he was totally in control and knew what he was doing so i i don't think anybody's really going to go and uh see see him on a stage rally rally because of his uh control on a motorbike right yeah i i would agree with that um and if and if they do, it's because they're a Travis Pastrana fan and not a mm-hmm. rally fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but any any sort of spectator or fan is is really uh, is good. Yeah, I I feel like if it was anybody else last night doing that stunt, I would have been nervous to watch it. But just knowing yeah. the background and the experience that Travis has, it's like oh, like he'll be fine. Like he he's got this. And even if he doesn't, he makes the best of any situation and makes it fun. So. So yeah, mm-hmm. I had to add a lot of confidence in him last night. It was really fun to watch. Uh, I, I was actually, I've got to say, I was actually like really quite bored with it at times. You know, it was like th- it was a. Th- it didn't three, need to be three hours. That it didn't need to be Come three on. hours. You know, right. and they they uh, the thing that got me is like when he was jumping the buses. You know, they were talking about the uh, the, the Wembley jump. The, the Wembley jump, and I mean, Travis is jump in the parking lot was nothing compared to evil Evil's wembley jump i was i i vividly remember watching the wembley jump on the tv in england and i mean he jumped in wembley stadium his the start the uh, the start of his run up was on the back row of the bleachers you know they built a 4 foot wide ramp from the very top back row of the seats and it was they it was all like scaffolding and what have you and it was four feet wide and hundreds of feet long to jump these 14 buses in the middle of the road in the middle of the field sorry so i mean evil's jump was like was a was of a totally different class to uh to 
to what Travis Travis did then. Travis was in like totally perfectly controlled controlled conditions, basically. So I mean we know I know evil like came a cropper at the end of his jump, but I mean it was I, I remember being so excited. It was seventy five, yeah, and he were he, he bounced on the landing ramp and and his, and the, the the bike was resting on top of him and I remember they it, he was like broken pelvis, broken arms and what have you. And he still managed to find the time. A great showman that he was, that he, he before the ambulance hauled him off, he spoke to the crowd and he did. That was when he announced one of his many retirements from uh, from his daredevil stunt driving. Stunt, 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 stunt riding. Because, yeah. so, of course, five months later, he was back jumping over buses again in America. But uh, I, I remember being... Absolutely on the edge of my seat watching Evil do that. And, yeah, watching Travis do it. Travis is a great guy. I mean, I've never met him, but I've seen seen the interviews with the guy. Seems totally approachable, likable, and seems a really, really nice guy. So nothing against Travis, but I was just left cold by a lot of this last night. It was just like we were doing things that stunts are like 50 years old, just to... Draw people in to see Nitro Circus and uh, go and and go and watch this Nitro Circus Bally's residency next year. Right, but maybe, yeah. I'm being, maybe I'm being too cynical. No, it, well, definitely the the three hours was way way too long. Um, it would have been perfect if it was like an hour show because by yeah, the it end, it could have been an hour hour and a half something like that. At right, most. right. Even by with all the background, it, that way you could at least fit in some of the history stuff with uh, Knievel and whatnot. But that's all it needed. For exactly sure. yeah no by the end of it i was like okay like just jump the bike like let's see it i'm excited i i just i want i'm tired at this point but yeah i it definitely could have been less than that um and and they made it they made it a lot more interesting um you know talking it and i didn't think about a lot of it but like how much more heavier that bike was yeah compared to like the dirt bike that he used and hardly any suspension like travel right yeah and that's what really made it interesting to me is that he was it was it was way more controlled um environment i completely agree with you ian but it was it was still nice to see him on an actual you know a, a very similar bike to where yeah. what evil Knievel was on um, did you did you notice cool. did you notice how the weight of the bike changed through the evening it was 310 pounds at the start of the evening I, just I, before the bu- just before the bus jump it was almost 400 pounds and I then do. when it get, and when it got to the fountain jump it was about 350 pounds right yeah no i did notice oh, that that's and funny I, yeah i noticed a lot of people on facebook as well saying the same thing like wow like it's kind of funny that that bike keeps changing weight and they keep saying it's the same <laughs> exact bike but yeah no i did i recognized that too and i thought that was funny well it, still i mean yeah it had twice the power of what uh, what was used by Evil Knievel back in the day, oh, and obviously a little bit lighter weight, but still, well. um, you know, th- yeah, that bike was not obviously an optimal jumping bike in general. <laughs> no, so, you know, all. mad credit for him to do that. I could, uh, you know, with the bus jump that you're talking about, Ian, he could have probably jumped one more bus, but not more than that. The other thing is, is before he started doing the jumps, weather report showed a wind of 35 miles an hour. So that's something that's a big deal when you're in the air. <laughs> right. And yeah. And you would definitely know that, Mike, with the, the, the you're a, a pilot, correct? That is correct. Yes. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And especially if it's a crosswind, I mean, <laughs> or a headwind slowing you down. Right. Yeah. yeah I would say, yeah. yeah. And Travis, Travis, certainly they probably ran 
hundreds of compu- computer simulations with different wind speeds from different directions, and they would have known there was a point that they couldn't... They'd wave it if off. The wind, yeah, sure. If the wind was coming at 38 miles an hour from the southwest, they would have probably said, no, we can't yeah, well, do it. Well, you know, it, and the, the other thing you have to also think about with this, and, and I'll give mad credit to him, is he can't go too fast either, because if you land too far down that jump on that ramp... You're going to impact even harder. Right. Right? That drop's right. going to be that much harder. And you've got four inches of suspension travel and whatever air pressure in the tires is your suspension. That's it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, again, it's, it's that balance of you got wind out there. Um, you got only so much power and run up to the jump. And the thing that actually did impress me probably the most was the one over the fountains. He had half the run up that Evil had to do the fountains because it's all been developed over there now. Right, right. That area hadn't been developed before, you know, uh, back in the day of Evil Knievel. That was the end of the strip, pretty much, was about where uh, Caesar's Palace was. And now it's all just massively developed in that area. And he didn't have the room. So, you know, uh, yeah, the car, bike's got twice the power, but half the (laughs) run-up... That's yeah. something to factor in, right? So, oh, for I, you know, sure. all, all the all the credit to him. I think what this also exemplifies isn't just what Travis can do, but as you were saying there, Ian, I think it really shows what the Nitro Circus crew in designing a jump, in creating it safe and yet still spectacular all at the same time. I would love to go to those Nitro Circus shows. Um, they had one in Bend um, last year, just not too far from me, which is Central Oregon, and I that would be a perfect outdoor place to see stuff in our, in our high desert area. And unfortunately I was in Hawaii at the time, so I didn't get a chance to go see it, but you know, those guys do a great show and yet they do it so they can live to tell the tale and do it again. And right. I, you know, hats off to them for that, honestly. But you're right. right. Um, sure. I don't know yeah. if it'll, I think what it does maybe puts Travis's, um, name back in the headlines mm-hmm. for or or gets people that don't know who he is to maybe pay attention and if they start following him and he goes and does more stage rally and i i would hope to see him maybe do even more of it now that he's kind of accomplished this thing maybe he can you know if if nitro circus kind of gets its regular thing and he doesn't have to be as closely involved with it like you're saying they got kind of this valleys deal and, you know a, a repetitive thing like that doesn't necessarily have the main headliner guy there right yeah, because um, just an ongoing show, maybe that allows him to actually move more into stage rally. But people still follow him, and then maybe they're like, "Hey, what's this thing with cars out in the woods? What? Right, that looks right. cool. Mm-hmm. That actually happens here in the states. What? You know?" And that—that's what I'm hoping for. But you're right; I don't think it'll be a huge impact. Right? Yeah. No, I yeah. agree. No matter how controlled that really was, there's still no way I would ever do what he did. Um, I I have the utmost respect for bikes, but I I. I do not like them when it comes to me being on one at all. I'm a, I'm a sissy when it comes to bikes, but yeah, all, all the props to Travis. I mean, he, he's, he's just a top notch guy and he's incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, other bits of news to talk about. Actually, I pulled up some other headlines here. Um, apparently uh, there's, we're talking a little bit of WRC stuff. Uh, did you guys hear that uh, they're going to revamp some things for WRC Australia in getting rid of the, um, almost 18-mile Nambuka stage, um, or 31-mile Nambuka stage, and they're going to make it a, a shortened version of it using um, something called Argent's Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only 18 miles. 
Yeah. What do you think about getting rid of the longer 30 plus mile stages at, at rallies? Well, I'm, it's not so much as the, I'm not bothered so much about the longer stages. I mean, long stages are nice, but I mean, what I, what I, what I like is they're changing up a, a good big proportion of the rally. The rally is, a lot of the rally is going to be new. I'm not so keen on rallies where you go year in, year out and you cover basically, basically the same stages every year. I'm all in favor of using as many different roads as you possibly can. So um, I'm, 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 I'm pleased, I'm pleased to see that they are, they're moving, moving around and using more roads. I mean, you you hear about these, the co-drivers, they can go back five years and look at their pace notes to help them prepare the pace notes for, for this year's event. And I don't like that idea. I think uh, it, it increases the skill of the co-driver and the driver, as a team to, to be able to work with new conditions, new and different conditions every year. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still disappointed that the Coffs Harbour stage is, is there because I, I hate that. I think there's a much better stage at the rally cross track that I can't remember the name of now, but there's a super little rally cross track that they do a, do it do a short it's only it's a short special stage and it's, mm-hmm. it's not much more than a mile a mile and a half long and they, it's one of those things where they it's one car at a time but they both they do both loops around this track at the same time uh, as one stage and it's right. a super it's a super little stage i mean I've, I'll, I'll watch that one again and again it's a super stage i can't down remember by, the... down by the harbor there no, 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 the Harbour One. I hate the Harbour One. I hate the Harbour One. It's the most contrived, dull thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> se- have you noticed? I mean, one year I was watching it, and it's like they were going along the seafront, and the tide was just like breaking against the, the rocks on the shore, and there was like spray going up just as the cars were like driving past, and I'm going, oh my God, photo opportunity. Oh, God, it looked dreadful and contrived. And oh, that, that was all the Coffs Harbour stage was also when uh, Lorenzo Bertelli yes. went went around the the cone and went too far around the cone and started oh, to go around the stage right. in the wrong direction. So yeah. yeah I'm, he didn't I'm, do enough rotations. He didn't go all the way around, right? And he, yeah. he went too short and ended up going the wrong turn and yeah. went backwards and yeah. Uh, I don't like Coffs Harbour. I think that the uh, this this other rallycross stage that I can't remember the name of is far far better. All right. So, uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, what do you think about uh, long stages and uh, uh, repeat stages? Um. So I'm 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 always a big fan of longer stages. Um, repeat stages. I feel like you get to a certain point where you ha- you have to have repeat stages um, at, at some events. And like I'm a I'm a prime example. Like I, I'm going through my notes from last year's New England Forest Rally, and I'm prepping for this year's notes. And and there's some notes that you know Summit and I had marked up last year. Um, perfect example, um, Louis Teixeira, um, he had a really bad off in New England last year, um, and I know I have that marked in my notes. So even even when we go through Recce, I'm going to have that marked that you know it is it's more off camber at speed than what it looks like. So I. I, I do like repeat stages for that reason, but I also I also love the new stages too, just because it does it and it makes you work with your driver more, and it puts everybody at a at a level playing field. When you have when you have some drivers that have done the rally 
eight times compared to, to a new driver, they definitely have an advantage. I, I'm not a big fan of, of taking a longer stage and kind of chopping it up and making it um, shorter stages. Um, I just, I'm a fan of the longer stages. Um, and it makes me go to the, to the fuel calculation thing automatically is, is um, you know, how many miles are in that leg and, um, and really how far can they stretch it. Um, I know that the 29-mile stage at STPR was it was a new stage for everybody, and um, and we actually ran out of gas about a half a mile to the end. So oh um, really? Yeah, yeah. It it we uh, we were about a half a mile to the end, and the car started shutting off because we were we were you know sideways around corners, and the, the gas was sloshing, so the car was shutting off, and and we were like, oh no, like how much longer? And I said, just coast it, just just get through the stage, and then once the fuel settled, we actually we actually just got back to the fairgrounds, and we were pulling in. We got through time control and we were pulling in as the car just shut off. So that's kind of where my mind goes now is, um, is how can they, you know, how, how does it work with the fuel calculations and stuff like that? And how much can they really add or take off to make it, to make it successful, make it a proper leg of stages to where you don't have to worry about the fuel. Hmm. So this is how your mind works now. Right. After, exactly. after, after, after the co-drivers Academy, we're thinking fuel consumption. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And all the details. Yeah. yeah. Have all the details. Right. And the way this, um, the STPR was set up was we actually refueled at the start of stage um, 12. So we didn't have any transiting besides the stage from besides from 12 to 13. And we were out of fuel and we were we were topped off. I, I knew we had to, to have as much fuel in the car as possible. And we were topped off and we still ran out. So wow. um, it just goes to show that when when you're in a when you're in a, a, a faster car, um, and you're running anti-lag and stuff like that, that you're going to burn through so much more fuel mm-hmm. that, that that's kind of what you got to think about. And yeah, like I said, we were about a half a mile, a quarter mile to the finish and the car was shutting off on us. So we, we were coasting the, the, the rest of the stage. But a tuned production car running race gas and, and whatnot, you don't though have like the advantage, like a Higgins or something like that, that you have a separate road mode from a stage mode, right? Right. Yeah. So, so um, you're still running, you know, eight miles a gallon or whatever the hell it is exactly when you're transiting yeah. at them. That's at best versus four miles of the gallon when you're at pace or whatever the hell it is. Right, um, yeah. You know, so you guys are actually burning probably more fuel than those other guys. Cause you don't have that other mode to switch to. Right. Yeah. The best that we could do was we shut the anti-lag off as soon as it started cutting off just to preserve that much, amount, you know, that amount of fuel. And then once we realized we were, you know, so close to the end, Patty was really upset at first. He's like, we're out of fuel. And I said, no, we're fine. Just, just coast it. And, um, you know, we shut the anti-lag off and we coasted to the end and, and we were okay once the fuel settled to the bottom of the car. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really, That's we close. Actually, yeah, we actually pushed the car into the service, um, because we were, <laughs> we were out of fuel. <laughs> But you made it to the time control, and that's the important thing. We did. We, yeah, we made it through the time control. As soon as we handed the time control and we started driving, the car shut off. So I just got out and kind wow. of the rest of the way in. Yeah. Don't get closer than that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of where my mind goes when it comes to the legs and the stages and stuff. Is I love the long stages, but at the same time, it takes so much more out of the car that it's kind of it's kind of hard, you know, running, you know, many more stages without um, like an optional refuel. So that's kind of where I'm at with it is I love the long stages. I think that you get in a good rhythm and you, you can set a really good pace at the longer stages. Um, if you have a three or four mile stage, I feel like you're just getting into the rhythm and the stage is over. So I'm definitely a fan of the longer stages when it comes to that. What'd you think of that, that long stage at STPR? That, that was a mammoth stage. I was um, going into it. I was kind of dreading it, especially going through recce. Um, it took us 
the the speeds out there are 25 miles an hour on the stage itself when you're doing recce. So yeah. um, it, it's it horribly slow. Over, right. Yeah, it was terrible. It took you well over an hour to recce that stage properly. So I was dreading it after recce. I was like, man, that's going to be that's going to be brutal tomorrow uh, or I should say Saturday. And it went it went by fairly quick um, once you got in the car. Once you got going, you, you didn't you weren't thinking about it. Next thing you know. You know, I only had a page or two left of the notes, so that was kind of it was kind of nice. Um, so I really I was dreading it, but then once we uh, once we were finished with it, I was like, man, that was a lot of fun. I would love to just do that one again right now, as, as long as we had gas. <laughs> well, uh, back here to North American stuff. So the next event coming up, of course, is New England Forest Rally. That's what a week and a half. By the time you hear this, it'll be basically a week away, because um, we'll probably hear the hear the show in a little in a couple of days. Um, 49 entries, which is a good entry list. Um, got some big headliners all along uh, this one, like we were talking about earlier. Is Ken Block's going to have his Kazi there with Alex Del Cimino. Um He's going to have his wife, uh, Lucy Block. She'll be competing in her little uh, R2 Fiesta, which is awesome to have her out there. Uh, of course, Higgins is back. McKenna, who's, boy, uh, McKenna, as he gains experience in that car, more and more of a threat and then we have pastrana as well so the front of the field pretty darn heavy right yeah no um for some reason new england always brings out a lot of big names i remember uh, uh three years back i believe i believe it was 2015 there were a ton of of, of top-notch cars and drivers that showed up to the event so was that when um, the r5 came over that ramana drove Right, yeah, that was the year that yeah. Ramana drove the R5, and then um, Brendo came over and he ran the uh, the other Fiesta. That I believe it was an R2. Um, yeah, but it was the newer the R2 Turbo. I think right, is what it yeah, was. like yeah. R2T or something. Right, um, but yeah, I mean, for some reason, New England just brings out um, a lot of different names and um, a lot of a lot of really cool cars. So I've I always look forward to New England and and just seeing the entry list. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, one of the other changes coming up is, um, of course, we've been watching pretty closely the limited four-wheel drive championship, uh, Jeff Seahorn versus Sam Albert. And uh, Seahorn now has just announced that he's got a sequential gearbox going into his car. So he's been running manual all this time and dominating. And now he gets to go to a sequential, which is what uh, Sam Albert has. That'll be a little bit interesting. Right, right. No, and it goes to show really how good of a driver Jeff, Jeff is. Um, I remember last year at STPR, he took over, I, it was close to over a minute off of Summit and I, and I thought Summit and I had a really fast, clean stage one. And then we looked and I was talking to Karen, Jeff's co-driver, and mm-hmm. she, uh, yeah, I think they took over a minute off of us on that stage. And I was like, oh, I, right, yeah. And <laughs> I um, mean, a and, minute. I mean, if you think about that, I mean, you, I mean, think about that like at a circuit track, right? You see a car go across the finish line and you start your stopwatch. And wait a minute and think right. how much longer that is. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and and Summit and I, I thought Summit and I were really fast. And it just goes to show really how, uh, wow. how how good of a driver and how good of a co-driver Karen is. I mean, they're just they're both just top-notch. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see um, what he can do with that sequential. And um, he's definitely going to be much quicker. Yeah, definitely. And I think it... Uh... It'll definitely help from coming out of those corners and getting up through the gears and whatnot. I mean, it's not a huge difference, but, you know, every second counts, you know. Right. And, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that changes things. Um, and the other bit that uh, I know uh, coming out of that, uh, coming up to New England, is we've got Tim O'Neill is going to be driving. Him, uh, himself is going to be driving. 
It'll be neat to see Tim out in a car. He'll be driving that uh, Focus RS of his. Right. Uh, in that limited four-wheel drive class. So you got be- guys better watch yourself. Tim O'Neill's out there. He knows <laughs> yeah, those roads. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fantastic um, class that we're running in. And I think it's, I think it's just the most competitive with, with um, everybody in the class. Um, it is so, the class to watch. I, I agree. Yeah, I love it. I, I love comparing times with those guys and, um, and really pushing yourself and, and seeing, you know, how close you can get. We were just a little bit off the pace with Sam and Michelle. There were a couple of stages we were right on with them at SPPR. And then there were a couple of stages where they, pu- they pulled away a little bit. So it's definitely nice comparing times with those guys and having a lot of fun doing it. So do you have somebody that you're specifically targeting for New England, I guess, that you're uh, one to compare times with? Is it going to be um, Sam again, or not, no, not really. Um, we always have a really good um, mentality of we need to run our own rally and and let let those people make their mistakes and let's capitalize on the mistakes and, and still be there at the end. Um, so there's nobody really we're trying to beat. Um, we're just trying we're trying to be as competitive as possible and try and try to be there at the end. Um, that's that's really where it's at. Is um, it's always nice comparing the times, but at the same time. You need to uh, you need to run your own rally and and um, and let those guys make their mistakes. So they're Jeff and and Sam are they're really competing against each other this year, and we're not we're not really in that contingency money race at all. Um, <laughs> so so let them make those mistakes because they're going to make them pushing each other and um, and be there to capitalize on it. Yeah, if you, if you try too hard to beat somebody, then the road the road's going to jump out and beat you, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, and that's and that's that's where we've been all, all season long, Patty and I, and we, we both are on the same page with that. And that's really nice is, is he knows that to, to finish first, first, she must finish. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's where his mentality has been all year. So it's definitely been, been easy to work with. Well, we need uh, some sort of like national championship purse thing. So uh, he'll run the whole thing. West and East coast. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it'd be nice. It's, it's just such a long haul for, for, for you know these guys and especially with patty i mean he does a lot of the work himself so he's wow. gonna be hauling everything out and hauling everything back and we have a great crew um that you know the services the car with our kt motorsports but um but even getting those guys to go out there and stuff i mean it it takes a lot of time off of you um with mm-hmm. work and stuff like that so it's just it's, it's a it's expensive and then um it it it, it takes more money out of you when you're missing work. So that's just, it's just, it's a big kicker. I'd love to go out though and get to get to one event, um, whether it's with Patty or not. I mean, I'd love for it to be with Patty, but if it's not, I'd still love to get out there and, and do an event, um, do an event in Oregon. Well, I'll see if I'll put in a good word for you to uh, the drivers out here. So there we yeah, go. <laughs> please do. Yeah, no, please do. I'd love to, I'd love to get out there and, and, and um, work with, with a new driver or anybody. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you at New England. Good luck there. Um, I'll be there in a couple, uh, well, I guess, what is it, a little over a week from now. I'll be uh, flying out, and uh, I, I always love it out there. Hopefully the weather is not as hot and nasty as it's been of late in the uh, giant heat dome thing that you guys had going on. Right. I do not do well with humidity. <laughs> yeah, it's been extremely hot on the East Coast um, the last couple weeks, really, so I'm really hoping that it, um, I'd like to get a good rain, um, uh, uh, four or five days before the event so it's nice and um it's nice and not dusty but it's still dry at the same time we the last couple of years we've had pretty good luck with it so i'm really hoping that we get that that same luck as well this year so do, do you think you'll be coming out to ojibwe i'm not sure yet um patty definitely doesn't plan on running it um but my schedule is always open to work with other people uh-huh. yeah. and um so as of right now no but um 
but a lot of things happen. A lot of things can change around. So yeah, I would love to do it. Um, as of right now, no, but yeah, I'm really hoping that it, that I oh, okay. I yeah. Ho- hoping I might run it, run into you up there then. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's too bad. You can't make it to new England, but I was going to say, you got to come to new England. All the cool cars are going to be there. Well, right. yeah. Well, what, what, one year maybe. What, what, after after I've been on the um, on the uh, 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 Rhiannon and Alex's um, co-driving course. Hang on, I'll just text her now. Hi, Rhiannon. <laughs> just chatting with Matt. Need to get on your training course soon. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, you def- you definitely have to. No matter what experience you have, if you're a, if you're a beginner. Or um, if you have, you know, years and years of experience, um, sitting down with Alex and Rhiannon is is a huge eye opener, and it makes you um, such a better driver, co-driver, anybody to the sport. Um, it's it's really worth going out to. So so definitely uh, definitely uh, take the time and get out to it. It's well worth it. Every time I talk to him, I learn something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I learn uh, something every time. Well, right. for me, it's like every time I talk with somebody who's talked with them, I learn right. something. I mean, I'm looking here, write pace notes, pay, number page, pace note pages backwards, so you count down. Right, yeah. So there you it, go. Like I said, it's so simple. It's kind of like, why didn't I ever think of that? And, um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. When he said that, I just, like, a uh, light bulb went off in my head. I was like, that's the easiest thing in the world, and I've never done that. And, uh, you know, Alex just kind of grinned, and I was like, I'm – going to do that from here on out and that's what i do and it works out tremendously awesome. because you know exactly how much time you have left at the stage <laughs> you know you combine all those little tricks uh that they know and, and it's not a secret and they even said that you know when we were talking about the show it's like you know the things we have we're, we're open about all the stuff that we do we don't we don't hide anything um right just when you put all these pieces together it just makes you efficient it makes you professional um it just makes you all better all around co-driver and obviously their uh, their class is about instilling that in other people um, you know, they have competed all around the world. They've both done WRC events, uh, as well as events in, you know, uh, other places everywhere done by different organizers and different, um, uh, sanctioning bodies and whatnot, you know, all the way up to that world-class level. And they've learned a system that can adapt to all of those scenarios. And, uh, that, that definitely is something that can, uh, work for, uh, any co-driver here. So, um, that's awesome that you got a chance to do the Elite Co-Driver Academy. Um, I, I think they're hoping to do another one maybe this fall. If not, they'll do one again next spring. Um, they're doing one for Canadians. I remember uh, they were right. saying they're going to do a Canadian one coming up. So they're trying to hit both sides of North America there. Um, but because of the involvement of time and energy that they have to put into it, uh, you know, they can only do it so often. But right, um, it, it's just great. But they also have their regular um, – uh, classes that they do. I think one of the most optimal things they do is they bring drivers in. I, I think you mentioned that earlier, Matt, is yeah. it's not just uh, about teaching co-drivers because they are co-drivers by trade. They teach drivers how to do notes and then work with the co-driver. And when a driver and co-driver go together to one of those courses, that's going to probably elevate them quite a bit from probably what they were before. So Yeah, yeah, most definitely. They they. They are absolute top notch. They're just they are they're like you said they're world class when it comes to that, and um, and they are they're good for co-drivers and drivers and, and really anybody um, to so you can learn the sport. And um, I couldn't imagine being a driver and, and being able to go there and get the knowledge from them to, to write proper pace notes because it it would it will it will shave a ton of time off of off of your stage time. It really will. Um, it's already done it for me, 
And, um, and, and I've only done a handful of events since that. And I, you can see um, it's a night and day difference. All right, Patty, you got to uh, get out there. There you go. <laughs> West Coast trip. You got to take yeah. a class and then you got to compete out here. Right. Yeah. No, I'll you got your number, man. As well. I'll definitely be in his ear about going to Oregon or, or Olympus or even both. So, so yeah, I'll definitely be in his ear. About and that. there's two events coming up before the end of the year. We got Idaho and uh, Tour de Forest. Right. Yeah. I would, I would love to do um, Idaho, especially after you're doing the recce on some of those roads. The roads out there are just absolutely beautiful. So I would, I would really love to do Idaho um, and Tour de Forest. But, um, but since I've seen Idaho, I would, I would really love to get out there and, and, do, um, and work with somebody out there as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks again so much for coming on the show. Like I said, I'm excited to see how you do out at New England. Uh, you and Patty seem to be very much on the pace and – uh, wow. Yeah. The, uh, obviously the, the skills that you learned are, are definitely panning out. Um, that about wraps up this week's open paddock rally cast. Remember you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram for Ian Holmes and our guest, Matt James. Thank you again for being on. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks everybody for listening and have a good day. <laughs>